Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Part two of Ghost Chronicles, the international edition with the echo. Oh, we're on. Are we? How can we have echo if we're on? <laughs> I can't hear a thing. Okay, now we're okay. We're okay. Are we on? Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Ooh. Ghost Chronicles. Testing. Internationals Testing. right here on Tojinet. I am Ron Kolick, your host. The gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, and God, that was unknown. And with me is, oh, still sulking if I not go to his kid's Christmas party, is the gold standing ghost hunter, Steve Parson. Are we actually, are we are actually on then, are we? Yeah, yeah we are. Cool. Parrex is up, roll, roll, rocking and rolling. That was perhaps the strangest thing. It was a lot of fun, though, wasn't it? That was rather cool. We should just do a sound effect show next week. We're just uh, like we'll just make noises for a whole hour. <laughs> Some would say that's what we do. We do anomaly. I was just going to say that myself. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, of course, today's show is brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, three eighty six uh, Merrimack Street in. Methuen, in Massachusetts, and of course, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, 4 High Street, Suite 155, North Andover, Massachusetts. Do you think it's really sweet of them to bring the show to people? It is. It's, it is. Yeah, it's really awesome. It's an echo. It's an echo. It's an echo. Co, 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 co. <laughs> So what's new and happening? Anything that I should No, it's been a yeah, it's been a very quiet week because uh, nothing much has happened. <laughs> I don't know. I saw a picture of you and the uh, boy Wonder on uh, Facebook doing something about a book. I'm not sure what that's. Oh about. well, uh, it's some it's it's old news. I'm afraid it's just that uh, as you as you are aware, Cal Doctor 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 Cal Cooper and myself. <laughs> Doctor, Doctor, Cal Cooper and myself had written a small book volume entitled Paracoustics uh, a couple of years ago, and um, our publisher has been asking if there was another one in the pipeline, and to get our finger out <laughs> and get on with it. So uh, Cal and I um, started thrashing out some some ideas for Paravision. So we're hoping that will be in the bookstores in 2021. Yeah, can I contribute to that? Yeah. You can make the noise. That's what I want to do. Yeah, we're going to have. I can do the upskirt pictures. Yeah, we're not going to have upskirt pictures in this edition. Oh, okay. So you're breaking from tradition then, huh? It's a tradition started only in your mind. (laughs) 
Right. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So we got something to look forward to in the uh, future. Uh, Paravision. To go along with paraacoustics and para something. Yeah. Para. Paradolia. Paradolia. Ghostology. Ghost. Oh. Well, that's kind yeah, of. I, I know. It didn't mm. work. Para. Parago. Well. Anyway. Para, the guy. Paranology. Paranology. I think that's been done, hasn't it? I don't know. <laughs> Like parasites, yeah, so, that's a bit done. Like, you know. Um, well, we we definitely did it first, and that was no doubt. The American group that has the same web or very similar web address to ours came later. Stop and uh, deceased. They actually sent us one, <laughs> bizarrely, even though we were going first. Yeah, well. Many, many, many years ago, yes, we did in fact get a cease and desist request from Parascience in the USA. And we pointed out we'd actually been going four years longer than they had. That's good, awesome. Uh, but they persisted and good. threatened us with legal action if we didn't. Nice threaten them with legal action. Well, we just deleted the email and we never heard from them again. Our lawyers are bigger than your lawyers. Yep. Oh, what do you call your lawyers in the UK? I always forget. Barristers. Well, no, no, they, they no. would be lawyers. Well, what's a barrister then? Uh, a barrister is uh, someone who would represent you in court. Whereas a solicitor, uh, oh, well, a solicitor, yeah, a solicitor, yeah. Uh, solicitor handles the sort of legal actions, and then if you're going to court, that's generally handled by a barrister. Although it can be handled by a solicitor. What all I mean, what's the difference between a barrister and a lawyer? I mean, the solicitor, excuse me. Uh, a barrister specifically deals with presenting cases to court and defending or prosecuting in court. And what does the solicitor do? They handle all of the day-to-day legal uh, transactions uh, and the preparations. Oh. So, So for example, house sales and uh, wills, deeds. Oh, okay, okay. All that sort of stuff. So you wouldn't go to to court with a barrister and a solicitor? Yes, you would normally because the the solicitor would prepare the case for the barrister. Oh, okay. Which is why... Anything that, that's, that's got legal attached to it, that's where they make the money from. Mm-hmm. Because it's so freaking complicated that nobody can understand who you're paying and why and why they're charging you £25 to answer the phone. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah lesson learned there. And, mm-hmm. of course, nowadays, you know, somebody, everybody's so quick to sue. Uh, especially in the U- United States. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just as bad over here. It's uh, U- U.S. Yes, S means for Sue. Yeah, United just... we Sue. <laughs> and the other thing that's been grinding my gears is all week the BBC, that venerable grand old God lady of broadcasting, and God bless her, has been presenting uh, a lot of programmes and news items and features related to man-made global warming and man-made this extinction rebellion and Not good. If, we don't, if we don't fix the planet in the next two weeks it, we're all going to drown and the the icebergs will melt and the polar bears will all well die. you know ben, ben certainly believes that well you know what what's been irritating me uh, and other people i've spoken to is the this constant presenting of the case for climate change Mm. without any representation of the case against uh, or suggesting that there might be another uh, point of view. 
Yeah, well, well they don't. The evidence might point in a different direction. The, see, see, the problem is the the uh, non-climate change or the other opposite side don't have little kids uh, dependent on you know. Well, that's true. But I mean, it's just I mean, it's it's very unbalanced the, the way it's being presented because there are two sides to this very unsettled argument. You know, a lot of people here, well, you know, 99% of the world scientists, there is a consensus. And when you actually look at this consensus, I mean, a consensus is just a what? It's it's not fact. It's not evidence. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a consensus of lots of strange things in, in, in the past and right. in history. You know, the fact that people think it, you know, think that way doesn't necessarily represent it being a fact. And then they presented this thing about 11,000 scientists had signed a petition. And when they went through the names of them... There they was, were all dead? No, no, no. But there were several uh, Mickey Mouses. There were several. There was one or two A. Hitlers. Um, you know, it's like there's no fact-checking. Hmm. And we're having this stuff rammed down our throats day in, day out, related to, you know, oh, it rained. Oh, that's global warming. Oh, it, 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 it was sunny. That's global warming. Yep. Oh, it, it was cloudy. That's global warming. Yeah. The tide came in. That's global warming. The tide went out. That's global warming. The sun yep. rose. That's global warming. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We got that here in the, in the U.S. with the impeachment thing. You know, it's like, uh, you know, he, I'm sure if you you investigate long enough uh, there must be something that uh, he, he did you could find oh it. yeah he probably i mean did trump ever hang around with prince andrew no oh, probably yeah see there you go well, there you go you're guilty <laughs> no no unfortunately it was the clintons that did that <laughs> did you see was... that facebook did you see that facebook news item last week somebody said prince andrew has not yet de- uh, definitely did not kill himself oh that's a good thing <laughs> All right, so let's move on. To- yeah, I mean, I, no, the reason I raised that, that, that uh, issue about climate change isn't a rant against, about climate change or anything, you know, but it's a sure rant sounds against... like it. Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's actually a rant against evidence, against bad evidence and the way oh. it's presented. Because yeah. that's something that, you know, I encounter uh, every time I look at a paranormal uh, site or report or blog or where the quality of the evidence that is being garnered and presented as fact mm. is, is you know, it's flimsy. And then it's, uh, then it's supported and backed up and enhanced by people that aren't fact-checking, that they're accepting that 99% of, of, you know, all orbs are dust, but 1% is paranormal, and that Richard Felix knows exactly what a ghost is. And that he wrote a book, and he read. But the point I'm making is, we just—I mean, it's like you see these ghost gazetteer books that Dylan, um, the teller of curious tales, is so fond of. Mm. Yet you see the same story over and over and over. Yes, word for word being repeated, but down by different generations uh, through different authors and researchers, who aren't researching anything they're simply cutting and pasting from previous works and when people go out to do their investigations and to conduct their investigations they are also rehashing what they see on television Um, they see these boxes and devices and weird cameras being used and so they go out and they emulate them because they believe that that's best practice Hmm. 
And that's why the that's why the global warming thing was sticking in my craw a bit because it represents the way that uh, we've given way uh, facts and evidence don't mean anything anymore or mean much less than right. they, than they ought to do. And we sh- you know we should live we should live in a world where we are. We look at, we examine facts, and we are guided by the evidence to form conclusions and make opinions, not what we see on television. I mean, right. the great howler today, this BBC guy, an environmental correspondent, whatever they are, uh, said that one of the great sort of advances um, in renewables are biomass fuels, yeah. which which you uh, uh, pioneered actually in America using wood chips, wood pulp, mm-hmm. and turning it into wood chips, which you then burn. And that's economically, uh, that, that's um, uh, climatologically and ecologically friendly because you're only putting back into the atmosphere what the, C- uh, the CO2 that the trees took out of the atmosphere when they grew. Mm-hmm. And then he went on for a rant about how bad coal was. Oh, there you go. <laughs> now, unless, unless you know, unless somebody's changed the way coal was formed, <laughs> right? Isn't the process exactly the same? Only it's yeah, been locked up a, a bit longer. Right. It's a common thing, though, that people just take whatever evidence they want to make their case and ignore everything else. It's. it's I mean, it was hilarious the way he said, you know, oh, burning wood's fine because that, you know, that's only taking, you know, you're not putting back any more carbon than you took out. But don't burn coal, that's really bad, it's a fossil fuel. Mm. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's science for you. Mm. And that's how it's being presented in schools and in colleges and on the television as a settled fact, an absolute mm-hmm. fact. And that's so moving on to all this talking about, I want to talk about some fun stuff. I'm tired of this garbage. I'm talking about <laughs> facts and things. I want fun stuff. I'm tired of it. Tired of it. No, we want fa- we want facts and practical things. No, I want fun stuff. Dull science. I'm done with fun science stuff right now. I want fun stuff. So I went and I looked and found fun stuff. And these are the scariest places on earth. So oh, God. That's fun. <laughs> so this is the repeat of last week's Welsh one, isn't it? No, it's I like this stuff. You don't like it, but I do. Oh, go ahead. So tired about talking about academia. It's like so. Ugh. I mean, it's I, I enjoy it, but it it's, it gets so boring. Uh, anyway, moving right along. I can only apologise on behalf of science. Yeah, I, I wish they would. You know, that's what it means. But anyways. The Isle of Dolls in Cocominga, Florida. This is one I'm sure you know. I've uh, seen it on TV. Have you seen it on TV? Yeah. I'm surprised. I, I is it in the Everglades? You... It's in the Everglades, isn't it? No, well, no, it's in Mexico. Uh, oh, so here's, huh? here's the brief, brief history of it. Despite the oh. history and status of UNICEF World Heritage Site, uh, Oxamilaco, I can't even say it, is probably known for the... Uh, Isla de las Amunas, uh, Island of Dolls, hidden among the burrows of the canals. And uh, the tiny island is famous for hundreds of dolls and doll pots hanging from trees and scattered among the grass. Although it looks more like a horror movie set, it is anything else. The Chempa, which is an artificial idol, used to be the actual residence of a now deceased man named Julian uh, Julian 
Santa, right for Christmas, Santa Biera. Um, after finding, this is the cool part, after finding a dead girl's body in a nearby canal, Barrera uh, collected and displayed toys in hopes of warding off evil spirits. Daring souls can hire their own boat to uh, and try to convince uh, the driver to take them to this island if they want to go. But sure, that's I mean, not in Florida. No, that's in uh, Mexico. Is there another one in Florida? No. Do you know? I'm sure this. I've I've read something. Well, something very similar in the Everglades or in in one of those southern well, some of bios, bios because well, I've seen a I've seen a TV program where they. Yeah, there's all these dolls hanging from trees. Yeah, that's unless uh, I just got the location. I think you got the location wrong because that's. Yeah. I mean, that's the most famous one. Maybe somebody is. I've seen the photos and duplicated it. <laughs> Possibly that's Possibly. never happened before. Uh, yeah. So let me just take a peek. Uh, island. Isla, uh, Isla. Dolls, USA. Well, yeah, that's where it was. All right, I'll just put down the United States and see if we get anything. Because it, it's you know it's very possible that people copy things. Or there are similar places in the bayous and swamps of the South. Mexico, 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 Mexico. Oh, Mexico. I don't see anything from the U.S. at all. I just got the location modeled up then. Yeah. Well, not paying, you see, not paying attention to the facts when the documentary was streamed. See how that picked right in there, right into your conversation. Isn't that a cool place, though? I mean, would you like? I mean, you've seen it, right? You've seen pictures of I've it. I've only seen, I've only seen, the, you know, bits of it on documentary and photographs and some movie fo- video footage from it. It looks cool, but it kind of looks like. It kind of reminded me of one of those sort of Blair Witch type movie sets, you know, where somebody'd yeah. gone out and tied a load of dolls' heads and dolls' body parts to trees. Um, but see, then, there was a reason for this, which makes it interesting. That's the part that that I found, especially since it had to do with paranormal and evil spirits, was to because he found this uh, dead girl. He's using these doll parts to ward off evil spirits. Well, there are parallels over here. You've got the, you've got the very similar thing in Annie's room on Mary King's Close up in Eden Butter, um, where a, it was a psychic who'd sensed the, the presence of a spirit girl, who mm-hmm. was most upset, and she left a single toy doll, and it caught on. And when I was there, uh, it, be, it had become long-established tradition to leave small toys for the the child spirit of Annie uh, even though Annie, there was no sort of proof of the existence of Annie but the room soon filled up with thousands and thousands and thousands of toys hmm and, and see how like, this is another one there's another place called in uh, Nagoro, Japan Nagoro, a tiny Japanese village which is a uh, very notable feature is life-size doll population uh, somebody want they have uh, the dolls actually outnumber the the humans uh, ten to one. Uh, toy uh, toy residents are the work of local Tasimi Anaroyo, uh, who began making doll replicas of her neighbor neighbors after they died or moved away. Oh, so she was lonely. 
the eerie doppelgangers can be seen in various positions across the town. Fishermen sitting on riverbanks, students filling uh, entire classrooms, elderly couples resting on park benches. It's $350 and 27 humans in the town. Well, there we are. It's amazing what people get up to when they're bored, isn't it? Yeah, but here we have it again. This is people tr- a, a reason for this. You know, it's not like oh, let's just do something scary or a thing. She she misses the people that died or moved away, so she built basically their their doppelgangers. I guess uh, a, a dial. What are you doing? You're making a lot of noise over there, young man. I'm sorry. Tidying the office. Oh, am I boring you? Um, <laughs> Evidently. No, but you know, I like to multitask. Mm. Well, you could find some of these cool places and chime in if you know no, any. No, 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 because you seem to have found them all this week, so I'm quite happy to respond. I'll just sing along. Sing along, yeah, okay. Yeah, right, I was just putting something away in a drawer whilst I was uh, passing it, because <laughs> it, need, it needed to be done. So now, go. you now have my full and undivided attention. No, I was just curious. I mean, there are... Uh... There's a lot of cool places. I mean, there really are. Some of them uh, are so bizarre, but yet there's always reasons behind them. Why For do instance, you think you get fascinated with places? Not just places, but quirky stuff. That's what I enjoy. Yeah, but what, I enjoy why does stuff. that fascinate and interest people? Because it is incredibly popular, isn't it? Yes, uh, it is. You know, if you look, at, if you look back at uh, P.T. Barnum mm-hmm. and Ripley, um, the, wait a minute, know, the Cabinet of, of Curiosity, right? And the Cabinet of Curiosities. But if you look at Barnum and Ripley and, and right. others, these uh, voyeuristic uh, parades of the grotesque, the unusual, the, the, the mermaid-headed fish, the two-headed right. monkey, the three-headed sheep, you know, why are we... And, and carried on into places where people hang dolls on trees or make dolls to represent their neighbours. Why do we find that so fascinating? Is that, is it really a case of, well, you know, they're just mad, so it makes me feel better because I'm not as mad as them? Or, well, or is it something... You collect all kinds of crazy crap. So do you. That's what I mean. So we're all guilty of this nature is what I'm yeah, trying to I, say. I, it's, I it's, it's embellished in our G- DNA. <laughs> yeah, embedded, that's, excuse that, me. That's actually, that's actually quite a poor answer, isn't it? Just be, we do it just because everybody else does it, or we do it because... No, 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 no. I do, I do it because I want to do it, not because... Yeah, but what makes us want to do it? What makes people want to collect stuff and have them in cabinets? What makes people collect haunted stuff? What, what makes, makes you people... collect yours? Let me ask you that. Well, this is the question that that we you the can't answer, answer it, can you? Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to answer it by saying this is a que- this is a question that we never ask ourselves, is it? That's why the answer can't come in instantly, because the answer will always be, well, I'm fascinated by it, I like it, it makes me happy. It, it, you can give a lot of different answers. Um, yeah. I want to catalogue the all the different varieties of them, mm-hmm. but in truth. Uh, there must be something within us, uh, because I don't think there are many other species that collect stuff. And how long, I mean, if you look back through, through recorded history, man, and almost uniquely, has collected stuff. No, the chipmunks ha- collect acorns. <laughs> yeah, but they're collecting it for food. Yeah, I know, but still. I mean, <laughs> we're collecting stuff for status, aren't we? 
because ultimately when we collect we when we gain a collection we are we like to show our collection it enhances our status you know that we have the biggest the best the largest the smallest the yeah the but it, it it goes beyond that steve i think because you know you brought that up about we're fascinated with places as well and there are yeah. different places i mean we don't collect places but no but we uh, collect collect we, stuff about we love, the place we love the the thoughts of them we love the the crookiness we love the unusual stuff i think that's the thing that's not the norm that really impresses us maybe that's why paranormal is as popular as it is as well is that it's not the norm it's it's different but yeah, must... I, 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 no, I get, I get the point you're making, but mm-hmm. there must be something inherent within us to make us want to do this sort of stuff, because you don't see chimpanzees or gorillas. Right. I, I understand that totally. Yeah, it's a human thing. Ghosts. Yeah, it's yes. a human thing. There must be something that's driving us to do this, and driving us to climb mountains, and driving us to go to the depths of the ocean, and. A challenge a driving us to try to seek answers to you know why what's that thing going round in the sky every night um, and why does it go from a crescent shape to a circle and back to a crescent and then disappear why do we look for ghosts why do we look for answers to the paranormal because you know it is a uniquely human quirk um, and it crosses cultures, cultures and divides and races and, you know, it, it's just something bizarre in the human um, that we never really, you know, when you ask about it or talk, talk to people about it, they, the answers are always, well, because I've always been interested in it, um, because my grandmother did it, because it reminds me of something. But the true answer is everybody, to some extent, I mean, look at the, I'm sure most most of our female listeners have got a large collection of shoes and handbags uh, mm-hmm. that, that they can relate to. Mm-hmm. Uh, or other things. That's the point of making is there must be something human in the act of doing what we do. Right. Uh, there is going to be something. and uh, I'm not quite sure if I can put my finger on it, but we, no, we like things we that are different. I mean, I maybe, we are we are we bored as a species and we look for something that's different and, and exciting, or are we looking for something that we kind of think that we are we looking for something that we think we've lost? Now, you could give, you could be philosophical about this because there are people who have who have said and who suggested that we are the remnants of an ancient civilization of Lemurians and Atlanteans. I know. I have I have their crystals. I have my Lemurian crystal. There we are. Selected um, especially for me. But people, you know, people talk about we have this uh, sort of locked up, and they always talk about hidden knowledge and special knowledge. Yeah, I'm getting special knowledge and hidden knowledge right now that we have to take a break because the tunes are on. You're listening yeah. Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parson and Ron Kolek right here on Tojanet and Parax Radio. And we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Toginet, 
Radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. said to um, the man on the phone look I don't care what Prince Andrew has been been doing he's not coming round to stay in the caravan in the garden anymore this year it's just not happening oh uh, I didn't roll. sorry welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International with uh, your host <laughs> New England's very own Van Helsing and me the gold standard in ghost hunting I don't even know what to say after that I'm sorry I'm sorry. Sorry, I, must have, I, I left the mic right, switched but, on from before. Right, yeah, you were talking to uh, Charlie and uh, Charles, excuse me. Well, you know, I've had lunch with him, evening, well, supper. Yeah. 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 No, you, genu- you, you, genuinely. You, you've dropped that name a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, we've heard that story. Yeah. I'm no, I've never been invited to any of Jeff, or never, never met, heard of, or... Had any association with Jeffrey Epstein, though? Are you sure? I said. Prince Andrew doesn't know. I think I, I did once. I was once at the uh, same airport as Hillary Clinton. Ah, there you go. Anyway, but not at the same time. So, I mean, we do have this fascination with with strange things, whether it's items or places or yes, we do. Or, or freaks of nature, uh, even. In. Yes, we do. Um, what the hell was I, that? I've no idea. It was just a, a strange noise that occurred. So you were telling us about some uh, some other locations that you found around the globe that are strange and fascinating. Well, I didn't find them, but uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of them that are, that are out there. One of them uh, I thought was kind of cool, and it, it, just because it's a visual, it's the uh, Capuchin Catacombs in Palmero, Italy. Right. So yeah, we Capu- all know about. Go ahead. Well, we know. Well, I know what cappuccino monk- monks are and cappuccino monkeys. Mm, cappuccino coffee. And cappuccino coffee. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I guess in Sicily, I mean, we are all heard, always heard of the uh, the ones in uh, Paris, of course, and everything else. Uh, the what they started doing is uh, they started created these uh, um, catacombs back in the 16th century when the cemetery. Uh, 
I became overrun by dead bodies. So they, they started doing it just for re- religious people, but then it became a status symbol. And it now earned, uh, now I guess it's about 8,000 bodies. That, But the, the interesting thing about it uh, is that they're, they're mummified, but they're not in coffins. They're all, they're all just standing there. They're standing on like a little shelf. Uh-huh. And they're all, they're all dressed up in their Sunday go-to-meeting clothes and stuff. There's religious figures, professional men, children's, even virgins. I don't know how they knew that. But I was no. going to ask that was, uh, you know, I mean, it might have been the obvious next question, but how did they know they were virgins? Yeah, I know. I don't know. But anyways, I guess you take the word for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they had tests for that sort of thing back then. I'm sure they did. Medieval, it's pre- I have to Google medieval tests for virginity. I mean, it's a pretty eerie sight. I mean, it, show, it shows them, like, they're all stand up, all dressed up, and they're all just standing there. Most of them got their head down, but there's a couple that's got their heads turned, or, like, they're looking at the restroom or stuff. It's, it's pretty bizarre. I mean, that, to me, I mean, that's cool stuff, no matter how you slice it. <laughs> it is. It's very cool and very fascinating. And we've, we've I mean, we've been dressing up the, this, the dead for forever haven't we yeah you know we we've been doing also i mean the french have been doing it the romans oh shit the egyptians uh, oh well the egyptians yeah but the romans they used to uh, i mean the roman catacombs were full of um ornamental dead people the chinese had a long history of uh, ornamental dead people as well um i i don't know why we have this fascination with death but Actually, maybe maybe that go- ties into kind of what we do because somebody asked me quite recently, well, you know, why is it that people, you know, what's the driving force? What's the motivator for people looking for ghosts and studying the paranormal? And I think almost the first answer that popped into my head was, it's a fear of death. It's it's this basic idea that we we oh, really fear that death is final. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean to say. Yeah, the fear, the fa- the fear that we have four score years and ten, and then caput, you Cap-out. you know, that's the it. Fertilizer. That's it. You know, but there must be something more after death. This can't be. You know, is that all I get? Is that all there is? Is is that it? Mm. And maybe that's the driving thing. If we can find some shred, some glimmer of light that suggests that, hey, it'll be all right. You know, this is, we go round again, or we all go to this big house in the sky where Jesus has got many rooms for us, or we go to this place and there's, uh, we go end up in this place where, you know, we get 21 virgins, or, although how, again, how you can tell they're virgins hasn't been answered. Yeah, uh, I don't know that. Yeah, but, but it's all down to this if we see a ghost, then that person survived death, or some part of that person survived death. Therefore, it's more comforting, more reassuring, more... Is that why we're doing it? Is that why... And I, I firmly believe that that's probably at the root of Athenodorus and all of the others um, who went and consulted... Well, we, we know that the rise studied. of spirit... The rise of in, uh, spiritualism and, and trying to talk to the, the dead is always spiked when there's been, you know, uh, yeah. uh, tragedy in the world. Well, there was a huge uh, growth in spiritualism, which had all but died out 
but for the World War One, mm-hmm. um, and then there was a huge revival in spiritualism. But it is, uh, you know, it does point like that thing about evidence, the thing about uh, how we get fascinated by stuff, the thing about why we think islands with dolls on are cool the thing that you know why we climb mountains or why we squeeze ourselves into little sort of uh, perspex bubbles and then go to the bottom of the marianas trench just to see what's down there all of this driving force and this exploration this worry and fear of death and the 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 strive to try to find something that you know suggests that death isn't final all comes back to that same root cause, doesn't it? It all comes back to the lowest common denominator, which is us, humans, people. Because unless you have a person there, can you have a ghost? Mm-hmm. Because you know, from from my perspective as an investigator, every single case I have ever read about, uh, undertaken, worked on. Uh, helped with has all started off with the hey I had a ghostly experience yeah but then you have the demon aspect of it and you have you know <laughs> even the, the 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 druids and the 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 witches and the wiccans they got the elementals and other other stuff so but that, aren't they just variations on man trying to interpret the experience yeah and, I mean and, that's, and, that's and of course, the bottom line it's exactly how you interpret yeah. it but the, I mean, the modern demon has got absolutely nothing to do with the historical demon. The modern demon is the creation of the fevered minds of television uh, producers and, you know, people desperate to get have their five minutes of fame on, on YouTube. That's, you know, it's unrelated to um, the the medieval idea of demons, which were, I mean, you know, it's, it's perfectly Fallen true. Angels, basically. Well, you know, in the medieval period... Everything that we would call a poltergeist was blamed on demons. Everything now that is related to a poltergeist is blamed on demons. Yeah, we've, we've. I mean, the Renaissance is something that didn't seem to happen to Zach Bagans and other paranormal investigators. Um, yeah, the Enlightenment, that great sort of period between the 1500s and the 1800s, when. Um, Great advances were made in understanding and classics and science and reasoning. And the Renaissance took place, except much, for television How much producers. evidence do we really need? And I mean, for instance, the ghosts exist because they've been seen throughout recorded history. Uh, there's no doubt that ghosts exist. Uh, and I, I've stated that many, many times. In fact, it's it stated, I, th- I believe it's stated in, in the foreword of ghostology, isn't it? Uh, ghosts exist they absolute, as, a, as, a, as a factual part of the human experience. Of course, absolutely ghosts exist. The evidence for the existence of ghosts is overwhelming. Um, and... <laughs> You know, you can be as foolish and as Joe Nickel as you like and stick your head in the sand like an ostrich and say there's no such thing as ghosts, mm-hmm. but there absolutely is. Unless you're prepared to dismiss the testimony of so many good, reliable uh, people who don't know each other, who uh, don't have any links, who have no shared uh, knowledge of 
prior stories, and yet they report the same type of experience across continents, across generations, across spans of time. You have a consistency that would overwhelmingly win um, if the evidence for the existence of ghosts was presented in a court of law in in any country except possibly China. Um, and yet you still have people like Nickel and others who stick their fingers in their ear, shut their eyes tight and go, la, 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 it's all in the mind, uh, la, 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 there's no such thing as ghosts. When clearly there absolutely is. What we right. don't know is what they are and how they manifest and how, that, how those experiences occur for the witnesses. So we don't know uh, anything about ghosts except that as a human experience. So what what is the the difference between okay so when you rationalize aren't you just uh let's see if you rationalize you are selecting evidence to uh to defend your case uh so what's the difference between that and scientific study or, uh, well, well, the thing global about, warming. You make it for isn't global well, the great, warming. That's the, the yeah. great thing about true science is true science exists to be proven wrong. The whole basis of science is that it seeks to prove itself wrong and to test the ideas that it, it comes up with. So it, it will produce a hypothesis. Well, I wonder if this did, and then sets out to. Uh, Make sure uh, you know, to 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 demonstrate that it either works or it doesn't work, and if it doesn't work, then it can rehypothesize. So science exists on the basis of uh, trying continually to prove itself wrong. When you produce your results and conclusions, you then subject them to peer review, where other people test your claims and see how they how they hold up and see uh, if and, they can prove so it wrong. So that's the difference between, for instance, Nickel, who just selects his evidence yeah. and says... Very, very selective. Truth. Very yeah, selective. This is, this is the truth because I have this evidence. Well, I mean, one one great way of, of uh, that the skeptics the skeptics use to uh, diminish the quality of the evidence is that they don't examine uh, the total amount of evidence. What they examine is one case, and a good example of that is is the famous Enfield case, where on one one single occasion, the two young girls had been seen laughing and joking um, in the kitchen by one of the investigators. He'd noticed that they were uh, behaving unusually and giggling between themselves, and then something got thrown in the kitchen, and they they were he sprung up, he saw what they'd done, he confronted them, they faced up, they owned up, and they said it was a prank. Now to Nickel, he came out and said, "Well, you know, obviously the girls did that. Obviously the girls did everything else." Right. And they use and, that same argument, they extrapolate that same type of argument into every other situation. Right, because it's pretty much like the EMF study. Yeah, because the rock, because the, there was a, you know, a rock had been, fo- or somebody stuck a, a rubber monster head onto a submarine, uh, therefore all Loch Ness monsters are, photo- are, are fo- photographs are faked. Right. Yeah. So, anyways. 
On breaking news, we have breaking news here. It's a few hours old, but uh, Christine Rollins, 59-year-old caregiver to an elderly couple in Ananook, failed to show up for a normal time on Sunday, the sheriff's office said. The 84-year-old homeowner found her lying in her front yard between her car and the house. Sheriff Brian Hawthorne said in a news conference Monday that multiple hogs assaulted Rollins while she arrived at work lately between 6 and 6.30 while it was still dark outside. In my 35 years, I will tell you, it's one of the worst things I've ever seen, Hawthorne reported. Jefferson uh, Medical Examiner Shelley Rivers determined that Rollins was attacked by different hogs of various sizes, uh, because of the bites on her body. Uh, mature feral hogs can be weigh between 100 and 400 pounds. Uh, the sheriff noted that feral hogs are a problem across Texas, but rare. Wow. Oh, yeah, like that. We don't have them in the United Kingdom. Mm, spear ribs. Mm. Yeah. But we. Damn. 400 pounds uh, of spear ribs. Well, we do, we do have farms now that farm uh, what they call wild boar, uh, but actually domesticated. They're crossed right. with um, with the normal piggy wig. Um, but no, we don't have anything feral. Yeah, it's it's not uncommon. Every so often you, you do hear about a fi- farmer that will be, uh, you know, eaten by hogs. Uh, they're well, not they select- pretty much eat anything, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, you know, I know there was one in Germany where a farmer got hurt and he fell down and the hogs actually uh, killed him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we forget that, uh, you know, animals, especially uh, canover- canover- yeah, canover- oh, great. Can- carnivorous. Thank you, dear. Uh, <laughs> uh, can be very vicious. I mean, we, we know that even from chickens. Chickens, well. if they see, see blood, will... Will attack another chicken. Do you know? And this is the coolest thing. They actually had red-colored sunglasses for chickens, so, so yeah. they wouldn't attack each other. I didn't know that. But did you know that um, if if you if you were unfortunate uh, enough to uh, pass away in your home and uh, you were alone and nobody came a calling to check on you, that your domestic cat is is, I think, ten times more likely than your domestic dog to eat your cadaver. Ah, that's nice. There you go. So, um, it's good, yeah. good to know that, you know, that... Yeah, that's how much Kitty's, Kitty thinks of us. So, you, you know when Macy's sitting there looking at you? <laughs> yeah. Mm, that She's looks good. just sizing you up for lunch. Yeah. Except she knows I'm a lot bigger than her, so you have to wait till I get the bucket. Well, that's what I mean. They they they've discovered that the um, strangely in places where people have passed away um, and then the body has not been discovered, the pet dog hasn't um, resorted to it's not cannibalism, but um, whereas the pet cat, no problem at all. Mm. Yeah, dogs can be very faithful. Whereas cats, it's you're just lunch. You know, you are just you are just. You can't walking. get me my food. You are the food. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So anyway, uh, I want to go back a little bit to my uh, haunted places, and I found another interesting one: the Ha Pa Villa in Singapore. You ever hear of this one? 
Harpar Villa. Never been there. Mm. The Harpar Villa is an 82-year-old theme park located in Singapore. It's pretty much the polar opposite of Disneyland. Its colorful entrance of Chinese arches seems innocuous enough, but when you actually step inside, you see that Harpar Villa is covered with more than a thousand statues that get stranger and stranger than the last one. It's like a human head on a crab. An underworld theme, Ten Courts of Hell, is the main feature of Harpa Villa, intended as a way to teach young children about morality, and the dioramas portrays severe modes of punishment accompanied by a placket explaining the sin that warranted such punishment. You'll find people getting cut in half by giant saws, uh, dismembered, uh, thrown down a hill, uh, down a hill of knives, and all kinds of cool stuff like that. So bring your children there. It's a you know, fun time for everyone. And yet, what an incredibly tourist, popular tourist attraction um, are people places like the London Dungeons, where people that's go to see point, Steve, or the Tower great, of London, where people go to watch. Point. Yeah. But where people go to see Chillingham Castle has a, a very notable uh, torture chamber in its in its cellars, and people love to go and see these devices that inflict brutal uh, torment and uh, punishment on people. And and they were they were back again. Why are we fascinated by stuff like you said earlier? I mean, yeah, I mean when it was a hanging or a beheading, uh, weren't there massive crowds? Oh or yeah, disembowelment, even worse. One of the well, you know, it was considered to be one of there were crowds were booing and jeering uh, when when uh, executions were moved inside the prison um, gates and that. Really? Public executions were no longer uh, something to do on a, you know on a rainy Sunday afternoon because it was just so popular, and you know crowds would would gather from all across a town or all across a city to go and watch these, and it was there were there were vendors there were there were uh, preachers there was all manner of um, fairground attractions arranged around the execution. And the execution was one of the the attractions on the day. And it's surprising how many of the uh, those to be executed actually participated in the revelry by giving, you know, uh, uh, some sort of weird or giving a weird speech or making jokes at the uh, at the expense of the executioner or poking fun at the crowd. Uh, before they were uh, they were executed, really, it, it, it was it was a, complete, a completely different society. Um, but yet, were there actually vendors at some of these? Oh, that's what I just said before. Yeah, uh, there were vendors. Oh, that. I'm sorry. Uh, who would sell you know everything from snacks to the clothes of the deceased uh, afterwards? It was it, really? fact, it was it was the perk and the privilege of the hangman to dispose of the clothing and the possessions um, of the executed cr- uh, person, um, you know, that they that they brought with them. So the, the, the hangman would auction off the 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 clothes. Would that even bottom. be for somebody like, uh, you know, one of uh, Henry's wives? 
Well, with with Henry's wife, they were all executed in in private because they were they were considered to be a class above. Okay. But if you take, for example, um, several of the kings, including Charles I, the executioners would uh, the executioner who beheaded Charles I took money to dip handkerchiefs into the pool of blood that had oozed onto the scaffold right. beneath the block because it was considered to be a cure all, um, the king's blood. Yeah, because he was supposedly um, descendant of uh, yeah, uh, but the hangman took money for those. You know, mm-hmm. he was paid for that, and then afterwards he was allowed to sell, and he did. He, he cut up into small pieces the shirt of Charles the First, and the collar of Charles the First, uh, and that was that was. You don't have friend. any of those in your collection, do you? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was a long time ago, and yeah. surprisingly enough, <laughs> yeah, uh, and we don't do it anymore. But that was all considered to be quite normal. And yet nowadays, somebody says something mildly offensive in the media, and everybody's, uh, you know, we'll turn snowflake, don't we? We'll go, oh, you can't say that. I'm offended now, and oh, you you can't use those words. Um, you can't describe me like that. Well, <laughs> you know, how offensive really is it? True. I, you know, I was brought up. You remember the old saying? You probably had it in America, sticks and stones. Stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're here. You know, I don't condone it on any level. Uh, no, for, no form of, you know, sort of <laughs> personal abuse or attack. But we are taking it to an extreme nowadays. <laughs> You know, yeah. it, it seems like we're going out of... There was another old... Uh, 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 you, can, you take offence. You don't give offence. And that's 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 ever quite true because yeah. I, I've offended many people unintentionally. I've never set out to offend them, mm. but they they choose to be offended by something. I oh, it's usually my wife, but there we are. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the thing is, I mean, we had shows back in the day like uh, uh, All in the Family, which were you know <laughs> terrible shows as far as insulting people. But we laughed at them because we saw how stupid those comments were. And, and exactly. That's exactly. the way of really getting rid of prejudices like that yeah. is laughing at it. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just prejudice. It's, it's everything. But it, it, yeah. it goes back to this idea of gawping at brutality and gawping at execution. It's, it's innate within us. We're no more educated or not really any better or more uh, evolved than than those people were three or four hundred years ago, who used to stand in gawp at things and give the executioner money for blood-soaked handkerchiefs, or say, "Oh, string him up a second time, we missed that." Or we're the same people. We we enjoy those same sort of things deep down. I think we're just frightened to admit it. Um, yeah, I mean nowadays. And, and for lots of different reasons, we have television programs now that say, "Warning: This show, this show may may show scenes of um, mild violence." Yeah, I know it. And yet we have those video games that actually. Yeah. Why do we need to like warn? Horrendous. Wait, why do you need to warn me that this show might have some mild violence in it? You know, mm. why don't we just? You know, I'm a grown up. It's eleven o'clock at night. If there's a bit of violence in it, well, yeah, know what? I'll just kind of live with it. Exactly. Anyway, so there was the doorbell, which means these zombies from the dead are here and bringing the pizza from the dead and all that crap. 
But uh, I do want to mention that there will be no show tomorrow night, uh, the next generations. We will be playing the complete um, Halloween show that was uh, somehow cut. Yes. But uh, it'll be, uh, you'll be able to catch that tomorrow, and it'll be on iTunes anyways. So there you go with that. And, uh, yeah. That's pretty much everything. Everybody here in the States have a happy Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Be grateful for what you've got. Because Turkey Day, be my off, favorite day. Yeah, it can be taken off you and and enjoy Black Friday. Do you have turkeys there in, in the UK? Oh, God, yeah. Of course we do. We get them from America. Okay, so it, they're not native to the... To no, America. no. Well, they, they're, they're native in the UK now since about 1690, 1670s. Okay. Um, since we found them wandering the streets and lanes and byways of New England and brought them home and cooked them, yeah, they can they they can be uh, a lot of fun. By the way, I mean they they chase people, especially mailmen. They don't like mailmen. Uh, I've, I've yeah, seen we, a few. Yeah, well, you and I've have seen a few uh, wild ones while we've been driving the streets and byways of New England. Yeah, oh, they've come in my backyard. I've, I've had a, I've seen a, one in the backyard, yeah. but we have seen a gaggle or two of them down on the seacoast. Mm. So there you That's go. Right. Anyway, all right. So uh, there was a lot of demolis. Yes, they are, but those are uh, pretty much not moving, <laughs> <laughs> except into the uh, shopping cart. Anyways, we do have to go. We want to thank everyone for listening and open your mind. As, as Einstein said, a, a mind is eyes. like a parachute. It never works right unless you open it. So there yeah. you go. So happy Thanksgiving and good night and go. Did Einstein lunch. really say that? I don't know. I made that up. <laughs> Sounded plausible. Yeah, he did say that, didn't he? Uh, no I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. There's a quote on. I've seen it on Facebook, so I know it's real. There we are then. Good night. Good night. <laughs> From ghoulies to ghosties, long leggedy beasties. And things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.